It's time again for Howl History. Chad, it's Derek. What's going on? Not much. How you doing, man? I am doing great. This is not the 2020 Wolves tonight. This is a historical episode, and we get to talk about some fun stuff. I'm 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 psyched. I'm jazzed. I'm pumped. We get to talk about another five and sixteen team. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I don't have to be emotionally invested though. I can just look at it analytically and just see what happened without dying every third night. Yeah, you're, I mean, we watched the the last um, Hall History or the historical episode. We actually did watch that game, but it was Michael Jordan and yeah. the, the Wolves for an expansion team actually played them tough pretty much all the way from It was a fun tip. game. It was a fun game. So, like, yeah, you're not going to – losing to Michael Jordan and the Bulls, you're not going to cry over that even uh, if you're a really good team. So, no. you know, it's it's not like, um, you know, the current team that we cheer every mm-hmm. other night where they're losing to teams that they really are other – Fellow basement dwellers. <laughs> well, where we left you last time, the the Timberwolves were 0-3. They had just lost to the Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. We watched that game. We talked through it. Um, Chad and I had a good time. I don't know if it was a great time for you, but it was a great time for us. So uh, thank you for listening if you did. Otherwise, they were 0-3. Uh, we're going to talk through the first half of the season all the way up to the All-Star break tonight. Um, and we'll uh, just have you follow along. And you'd think that it would just be a, a very simple conversation because... It's not a great team, obviously, the expansion Timberwolves, but there are lots of different subplots, lots of very interesting things that happened that really stuck out to us as we went through it. So, uh, you know, they, they came out and they won two of their next three games after the Bulls game. Apparently, Chad, we, we picked the wrong game to watch because they came out, they beat the 76ers in the next game, it win over uh, our, our good friend Rick Mahorn, and uh, they came out two games later and beat uh, Tim Hardaway and the Golden State Warriors. So they, they're putting some things together. They're showing up some people that they had been ridiculed for not having on the roster and uh another yep. two and four at this point um they unfortunately then lose seven in a row so they they, they look like an expansion team uh, but then they come back out they win three of four victories over miami cleveland and new jersey uh they're five and 12 so not great but they're showing some promise and then they go one and 12 over the next 13 games and then they make a big the first in-season trade in their history uh not, we'll get into that later, if, if, who that actually ends up being. I'm going to leave it as a little bit of a cliffhanger, if you don't know. Um, and they win the ball, a ball game on the same day. So that's a good day for the Timberwolves. Uh, they bring in a new player. They win a basketball game. And then they lose nine straight games again. <laughs> so, so you can kind of notice a trend here. They come back out. They win three in a row against Sacramento, Seattle, and Boston, including a huge game by Tony Campbell. And then they lose their final three heading into the All-Star break. So they finished 10-36 and 36 over the first half of the season. Um, lots of losing. Lots of, uh, lots of, I'm sure, pain from the fans at the time or by Coach Musselman especially. I'm sure he wasn't super happy with being on a losing team because he was not a big fan of losing. But, but there we go. We're caught up. Episode over, Chad? We good? Should we publish it? Yeah, I think that's a wrap. Let's, let's do it. Let's move forward. Short and sweet wrong <laughs> there's so much more that happened over these up over those uh that part of the season that we just we can't end it there we have to walk you through it so that you can really understand what this this team was going through and what the fans in 1989 were experiencing at the time so chad you're ready to really deep dive into into these 46 games let's get her done let's get her done all right so let's bring it back like we said we watched that bulls game the Timberwolves come out the next game, have one of their best games of the year. They went 125-118 in overtime over Rick Mahorn and the 76ers. So 
this has got to be just a great moment for the team, especially with all of the reporting that had been done about the Rick Mahorn trade and how they had made a mistake and how he should have been on their team and their starting power forward. And uh, they come out and they, they push the Sixers to one and two. So, uh, Chad, who were, who are the big performers in that game? Well, uh, you know, the, the guy that you expect, Tony Campbell, mm-hmm. he, he goes nuts. He scores 38 points. He has five rebounds, um, shot pretty efficient, 14 of 22. Um, but then Ty Corbin goes off for 36 points, 13 rebounds and four steals, and he played 53 minutes. So he played every <laughs> minute of that game. And didn't he play every minute of the Bulls game? Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah, hasn't I mean, sat in two straight games. Guys, uh, uh phenom when it comes to his physical endurance Musselman uh, either loves Tyrone Corbin or hates Tyrone Corbin I'm not sure yet and to be fair like many teams back then were playing I mean uh, you know I, I don't have the exact stats and I'm gonna pull it up while we're talking but the um everybody was playing heavy heavy minutes back in those days so like mm-hmm. on Philly I mean Charles Barkley played 46 minutes that game Johnny Dawkins played 48 minutes um Percy Hawkins 38 Kaminsky 36. So everybody is playing pretty heavy minutes. Um, you know, even, you know, like the Wolves, but 53 is just, yeah, you need a breather eventually. It's just crazy. I mean, that guy must've been just a complete beast of, uh, an endurance. Yep. Complete. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, so if you, you mentioned that I didn't even pick up on, it. I mean, just kind of going through my, my, notes here and then you kind of pointed out well yeah it was kind of nice that they got a win against Rick Mahorn after he wanted to be here and I'm like you know what you're completely right <laughs> completely didn't even look at him as a connection to the Wolves I just you know well, went ahead he'd be easy to overlook because he only scored five points and he was 0 for 3 from the floor in 20 minutes so apparently that first rounder is looking a lot better than Rick Mahorn at this point yeah yeah if only we were better at drafting if uh, <laughs> But yeah, they. I mean, and then they get to play one of the bigger stars in the league at that point, and Charles Barkley, and you know, Hersey Hawkins was still a really good player at that point. So yeah, that's a quality win, you mm-hmm. know, for a brand new franchise. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, they come out in the next game and they lose to Seattle, one hundred eight ninety seven. But uh, Sam Mitchell moves into the starting lineup. He plays all forty eight minutes that game, and he and Tony Campbell both score uh, thirty or more points. So. I mean, I they're not winning a ton yet. They're one and four after this point, but gosh, we've seen some good individual performances out of these players. And they're not getting just slacked. No, you know, they're, and that's kind of the theme through most of these games. When you look, and there's very few blowouts. So, you know, say what you want about Bill Musselman, but he has them competitive game in and game out. Whether they're playing the Chicago Bulls as we've seen, or you know the. New Jersey Nets, who wasn't a very good team, you know, he they they play hard every single night. So something you kind of wish for for uh, more modern era teams. Yeah, twenty twenty one. So okay, so they're one and four in the. Like I said, they won two out of three, so they come up back in their sixth game and they beat Tim Hardaway and the Golden State Warriors one hundred one to ninety eight, and that's another game against another player that they had been kind of lambasted for not having on the roster for not having taken Hardaway over Pooh. Uh, Hardaway and Pooh didn't play large roles in this game. Uh, they both came off the bench. They both played about twelve minutes, and neither of them uh, made a had a significant significant impact. But uh, but the Wolves come out and they show up again against another uh, Western Conference team that. Um, they kind of needed to show up against, especially for the local reporters. Yeah, and Sam Mitchell, who is a rookie, you know, he's yep. not your um, traditional rookie because he 
he was drafted three years earlier. Um, but he, you know, he's playing starters minutes. He's played 45 minutes in that game, scored 25, re- had seven rebounds. He, you know, that's not your, uh, that's not what you're expecting from a rookie player. No, a so, guy that just came over from France and won, won his way into the roster through offseason veteran training camps. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody else even was sniffing in his direction. So, um, you know, kudos to the Wolves for, for identifying Sam Mitchell as uh, a guy that could play in this league. Um, but yeah, you're right. And then Pooh and, and Tim Hardaway, that matchup, which we'll kind of watch throughout the season. But, you know, Pooh played 12 minutes, scored two points. I want to say Tim Hardaway only played seven scoreless minutes. Um, which is kind of funny because I did go back and look through just end of year stats at Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. He started like 78 out of 82 games, but these first few, he must have been the only ones he didn't start because <laughs> he didn't start that game and he only played seven minutes. So I don't know exactly what was going on there. It is not the Golden State Warriors podcast, but um found that kind of interesting. We should find on. somebody from a Golden State Warriors podcast that was doing this in 1989 to come on and, and tell us what exactly what was happening. Maybe they have a, a historical podcast now. We can just, you know, there you go. Team. There's somebody in the Bay Area doing this exact same thing. Yep, exactly. All right. So the Wolves are two and four. And we, as we said earlier, they then lose their next seven games, uh, unfortunately. So um, high, the only, not many highlights of that stretch. Um, Adrian Branch. Uh, comes out and has probably his best game of the season. He scores 14 points in 14 minutes off the bench on, on November 17th. Uh, on the 18th, Pooh actually gets his first start of the year against New York. Um, looks like he, he had eight points, six rebounds, seven assists, or seven assists in all 48 minutes. Yeah, so, you go from not starting to, hey, congratulations, you're a starter. And by the way, you're not going to get a break. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to play 48 minutes. Way to go, Pooh. <laughs> so Poo, you know, Poo jumps into the starting lineup here. Looks like Musselman's at this point. He's kind of moving guys in and out, trying to find something that that works. And it's not surprising when you're losing in the midst of a seven game losing streak to trying to mix things up and try to get guys in and out. We've seen the Timberwolves this year do the exact same thing. If if guys are not performing, they get they get moved down to, and you try to give the young guys a chance. But um, and there was pressure on Musselman even in 1989 to get Poo minutes because yeah. he was your you know your prize draft pick and everything else. So. I'm sure, you know, he would have liked or been content rolling with Sidney Lowe, the guy he trusted who played for him in the CBA. But I'm, you know, with the pressure to get Pooh in there, and then you know, Sidney Lowe's a little bit older; he was already 30 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not going to be able to play must minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the way Musselman abuses his uh, his players. Well, like we just, wonder where Tibbs got it. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, okay, so then they lost seven in a row, but as we said, they come out and they win three out of four. They beat Miami, Cleveland, and New Jersey, which weren't uh, gangbusters at the time, at least Miami and New Jersey. But Cleveland was really good in 1990. Um, the Wolves got their, their first win of that stretch, 105-100 over Miami. Uh, Campbell and Corbin lead the way again. Uh, Brad Lowhouse probably has his best game of the season with 15 points, six rebounds, six assists. Um, Scott Roth is kind of losing some minutes here, our favorite uh, Scott Roth from our, our the Chicago Bulls game that we watched, uh, he really made an impact on us. He's got always got a place in my heart now. So, <laughs> um, so they they win against Miami. Their own their only loss over that four game stretch uh, actually came against Orlando, and it was their first game against um, their fellow expansion team, Orlando Magic. So I, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at how the expansion draft went in terms of players who were on the floor that night. So, um, Sidney Green, who was the first overall expansion pick for Orlando. Uh, he played 20 minutes, but he only scored two points and one of seven shooting. Um, 
So not, I don't, the Timberwolves got almost as much production out of Rick Mahorn, who wasn't even on their roster as Orlando got out of uh, Sydney Green. So um, there's a reason nobody listening to this has ever heard about Sydney Green. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think that Orlando ended up winning that that first overall pick in the expansion draft. But um, but their next three picks, Reggie Theus, Terry Catledge, and Sam Vincent, all scored between 22 and 25 points in the win. Um, so I'm, and su- yeah. or surprisingly, Orlando at this point they were they improved to seven and seven at that point in the season too. So they were a 500 ball club as an expansion team. Yep, Orlando yep. had really prioritized veterans uh, heading into their expansion team, and it's not like Minnesota was a, an overly young team, um, but they had a lot of guys from the CBA, a lot of the guys from. Uh, yeah, little, little NBA experience. Yeah. yeah, outside of Ty Corbin and Tony Campbell, they didn't have a ton of experience in the right. NBA. They had guys who experienced, um, you know, basketball. Like Cindy Lowe won a national title in college and had played some in the NBA. But mm-hmm. Sam Mitchell played in the CBA, um, but it was a rookie. Um, so yeah, you know, you're right. They they definitely prioritize veterans. We had, um, you know, some our veterans just weren't NBA veterans. They were just veterans right. in other leagues. So. Just because they weren't different. young didn't mean they had a lot of experience in the NBA. So, yeah. Um, Wolves come out and they beat uh, Cleveland 101-74, their first blowout victory of the season. Um, and then on the on December 5th, they come out and they get their second win in a row, uh, 92-90, a nail-biter over New Jersey. So they're 5-12 they're and 12 now. Um, Poos puts up another good game. He's 8 points, 5 assists, 4 steals in only 20 minutes. So, I mean, from what we watched, Chad, Poo has really been pretty dynamic as a player and that second half against Chicago he was kind of the the engine that ran that team and I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him yeah you know maybe that's a game we should watch you know and maybe we watch it and then just do our talk about the highlights but mm-hmm. would to watch one of the Golden State games just to see did Tim Hardaway look that dynamic right as as Pooh did because you know, watching Pooh, I'm not hating that pick. You know, if 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 I'm going back in time in 1989, and I don't know what Tim Hardaway becomes. I'm not hating that pick at, at that point because Pooh Richardson's he looks like a legit NBA player. I mean, he's you know he's smart. He pushes pushes a tempo. I mean, he's you know finding open guys. He's getting steals. Like he's he's a nice player. Yeah, and he's such a change of pace from Sidney Lowe at point guard. I mean, Lowe comes out, he plays 48 minutes and he probably doesn't score a point. He might have 11 right. or 12 assists, but his only priority on the floor is to get other guys involved. He's not looking to shoot, he's not looking to drive. He comes down the floor and then just tries to make a play. And Pooh is just a kind of a new generation of point guard and it's very it, it, having watched that team, it was a very strange dynamic with those two different t- types of players. Yeah, and it looked like the other players at least like the Tony Campbell's and Ty Corbin's just watching the way like their energy level seemed to pick up when Pooh come out there. It just seemed like they enjoyed playing that style more. And not that they had anything against playing with Sidney Lowe. It's just that Sidney Lowe was a, you know, like you said, he's going to just bring the ball up, set things up. You know, there's not a lot of tempo. Mm -hmm. It's a lot slower paced game. And then Pooh gets out there and and there's, you know, there's actually some, some running and some transition buckets and yeah, just very different. So the Wolves have won three out of four. Uh, Got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. And they come out on December 9th against Atlanta. Doug West is probably his best game of the year. He scores 23 points, six rebounds. But unfortunately, the Wolves lose by 13. And that start, starts a tr- stretch where they go 1-12 over the next 13 games. So um, at the 20-game mark, they unfortunately have the same record as our current 2020-2021 uh, Timberwolves do. 
So that makes us feel really good about uh, how things are going this year, but we're going to ignore that. We're going to push it down low. We're going to not dive into the pain of the D'Angelo Russell-led Timberwolves at the moment, but we'll continue in 1989. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, it, you see these stretches. It's weird with this team, right? Where they, they win three in a row or they win three out of four, but then they go on these like nine game losing streaks mm-hmm. or in this stretch one and 12. Um, I mean, I guess it's to be expected with the expansion team, but it's weird that they have these periods of success against some good teams even, you know, the, and then they also just completely get lost and are just getting, you know, beat night in and night out for yeah. a month at a time. I mean, at the same time, we talked earlier about Musselman playing with his his lineups, and it just feels like it would be really hard for anybody outside of probably Corbin or Campbell to really get into a rhythm with this team. Because during this stretch, like on, on December 12th, the Wolves lose by one in overtime to the Pacers, which has got to be a really great game. You know, Miller scored 32, Reggie Miller scored 32, Chuck Person added 31, and Doug West earned a lot of minutes. He played 29 minutes, scored 16 points. Um but then eight days later, he comes out and he doesn't play a minute against the Lakers. And he is very limited moving forward. And, you know, Pooh comes out and he scores, you know, he plays 19 minutes in that Pacers game. And then all of a sudden he's starting and playing 48 minutes, you know, a few games later. So he's just, it's, he's kind of all over the place in, in the playing time that these guys are getting. And I don't know how anybody's expected to really get into a rhythm. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, he's, he's kind of messing with the lineup all the way through here. I mean, there's... There's one, like you said, Pooh Poo goes from starting and playing 48 minutes to, you know, the next game playing 12 minutes. And then he's then he kind of inches his way back up into that 20 minute sort of range. But then you have like some really weird things like in the beginning part of January of 1990, where they have an odd starting lineup on January 9th against the Sacramento Kings, where the Wolves start Sidney Lowe, Sam Mitchell, Todd Murphy, Scott Roth and Randy Brewer. And hey, 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 bench, hey, hey, you're getting ahead of us, Chad. Well, but I want to point out on the bench, Pooh Richardson, Tony Campbell, and Ty Corbin. Tony Campbell and Ty Corbin come off the bench. It's like, what is going on? How do you yeah. bench your two best players to this point in the season? It's just really bizarre. Um, you know, like you said, his lineups were just, I, I don't get, I don't understand mm-hmm. them. Even, even with all that explanation after the fact, you know, you look back as the season as a whole, it just didn't make sense. Well, for any of you uh, rabbit-eared listeners out there, you might have noticed an, an Easter egg, a spoiler that Chad dropped. Well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna move past. It. We're gonna pretend it didn't happen. You know, it's gonna come back here soon. It wasn't. It wasn't. Definitely wasn't you calling more attention to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the we were we were saying that they're they're going one and twelve in a thirteen game stretch. The only game they did win, and we were talking about weird lineups. They go small against Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston Rockets. They they start Sidney Lowe, Pooh Richardson, Tony Campbell, Ty Corbin, and Sam Mitchell. And I have no idea how that worked, except for the fact that Sidney Lowe played his best game of the season. He had 22 points, 13 assists on 10 of 14 shooting, and 2 of 2 from 3, which is just not his game. It's not something to do, and I I can only imagine that him just going bonkers and Houston just letting him do his thing and hoping that he would score 0 when he ended up scoring 22 was kind of the difference in that game. But um, Yeah, it is kind of bizarre, you know, and um, I almost wonder if, because it was such a small lineup if they were just trying to catch Houston off guard and just mm-hmm. because it's, a, you know, they, I mean, they had to have started Pooh to go to make that even work because Sydney Lowe being the only point guard would have been a still a slow pace. Yeah. 
bring the ball up and then get set and let Houston get set in their defense. And now you're going to have to try to score in the half court against Hakeem Olajuwon, only one of the best defenders to ever play the game. So, um, not, not a great recipe for success. So going small here, you know, you like that, the little wrinkle that he throws out there with that lineup that he hasn't used to this point anywhere else. Proven willing to try things to get wins. And, uh, I'm not, I don't know if that's, long-term a great strategy if you can never stick with something and build up a a balanced system but but he was willing to go for every single win seemed every single game seemed just as important to Musselman as as any other game so um so Pooh starts next to Sidney Lowe that game he comes out he starts a second straight game he has a you know scores 22 points has 11 assists um in all 48 minutes on the 29th and then he starts a third straight game shoots one of seven and is sent back to the bench so it's like if you have a bad game, you are you're sent back to, sent to the bench by Bill Musselman. So um, really, only if you're you're poo, right? Poo, poo is up and down. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing that Musselman wasn't able to relegate guys to the G League back then because he uh, he would have used it handily. You know, and that that's what makes me wonder how much of poo getting starter minutes was because the management was pushing mm-hmm. to get him more minutes. You know, and he was like, okay. He started, look at that, he went one of seven. You know, like, management's kind of like, ha-ha, see, we won a game against Houston. Ah, ha-ha, Pooh, mm-hmm. who gets 22 points in the sixth And then Musselman's like, see, told you so, one of one seven. One of seven, you're on the bench. Yep. He, yep. <laughs> so it's just, well, uh, it's either yeah. that or you wonder who had underperformed the game before Houston that Musselman was punishing by sending to the bench to move Pooh into the starting lineup. It's like every everybody, every change is due to a punishment or a something that didn't work the game before. Yeah, but usually, like, Sidney Lowe rarely... I mean, I know who was in this stretch was starting alongside Sidney Lowe, where yeah. whose earlier starts, Sidney Lowe was relegated to the bench. But as you pointed out, Sidney Lowe is not a stat guy. So even when Sidney Lowe was starting and playing 40 minutes plus, he still was only, you know, getting single digits and points and mm-hmm. not a ton of assists. I mean, he, you know, I'm sure was doing lots of things that doesn't show up in the box score. Well, you know who Pooh moved into the starting lineup for was Brad Lowhouse, who at this point, it seems like Musselman was just done with. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a big minutes guy, but he started a, most of the game to this point. Um, you know, it's like it seemed like Mus would go small, you know, even at the expense of Lowhouse earlier in the year. By, Scott Roth would come in as a 6-6 forward for Lowhouse. Um, but, you know, this this recent stretch with Pooh starting – Lowhouse's minutes went, were reduced even further, and Todd Murphy was picking up some minutes. Yeah, and that leads us to January 4th of 1990, in which case the Timberwolves make their first in-season trade ever, uh, and they go after former U of M star and long-rumored target, if you've listened to our past episodes, Randy Brewer. Um, so they, they trade Brad Lowhouse and a 1992 second-round pick for Randy Brewer and a 1992 second-round pick to Milwaukee. Um and, you know, some of the, the reasoning behind that trade on Milwaukee's end was that Brewer was making about a million dollars a year, while Lowhouse, I think, was about 380000 Um Brewer was 29, Lowhouse is 25. So they got a younger, cheaper player at the time, even though neither player was really in the good graces of their, the coach that they were playing for. Yeah, and Lowhouse, you know, had some knee issues, um, which is part of the reason why he was playing more limited minutes, but that's also the reason why the draft picks got added was mm-hmm. because when he, you know, when they went in for the physical, 
Milwaukee's like, hey, you know, this guy's got some uh, health issues. So, but yeah, uh, Brewer, obviously a hometown hero, you know, born and raised in the Lake City, Minnesota, went to the Gophers, played for the Gophers for four years, won the Big Ten title in 1982, um, you know, and then was drafted number 18 overall in the 1983 NBA draft, played six seasons for Milwaukee Bucks, who pretty good team during that stretch. I mean, they were a perennial playoff team, um, but he kind of fell out of favor with the Bucks, um, and so Brewer was sort of ready for a fresh start. He was excited to come to the Timberwolves. He had said in an interview at the time, said it's a chance to come home, um, and it's a chance to get more playing time. And you know, he was a guy who was playing 10, 12 minutes a game in Milwaukee. Um, one of the things that he said that I found interesting of, for why he fell out of favor in Milwaukee was he it was in a game where he he said I actually got cracked. I actually cracked a couple of ribs, he recalls. I was playing for a while, but I got muscle spasms. We had a pretty good lead, but I couldn't lift my arm above my shoulder. So I said, I got to come out. And we lost the lead. And Coach Del Harris asked me to go back in. And I said, I have one hand and I can't raise my arm. I'm really hurt. Del had no forgiveness on that. Brewer said, what really put me in the doghouse was two nights later, I spent two nights with muscle relaxers and hot packs on my side. And I scored 25 points against Hakeem Olajuwon in Houston. That really ticked Del off. I gave him a whole game against Kim Olajuwon, but I couldn't give him any minutes in the fourth quarter when he needed him. So Del Harris had a little bit of the sure. Bill Musselman gene where <laughs> he, he he was grinding his guys up and he just kind of had had it with um, Brewer. And, uh, you know, a little bit different story because Brewer was making a million dollars where, right. you know, the guys, nobody on the Timberwolves were, was sniffing that kind of a salary at that point. So who knows what Musselman would have done if Randy Brewer would have pulled that with him making a million dollars on this team. But um, yeah, Brewer would be in a ditch somewhere still. We still wouldn't <laughs> have found the body. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, so big body, though, seven foot three. Um, Lowhouse was a, you know, he was over seven feet two, I believe. Wasn't yeah, Lowhouse was too thin, though. He was yeah. way away from the basket. He was not the, the type of center that Musselman really wanted to anchor his defense. Right, right. And obviously, Musselman knew, had followed Brewer, you know, the, the Minnesota connection and mm-hmm. all that. Um, so. You know, well, we talked about in the expansion episode, expansion draft episode, how there was a possibility that Milwaukee would leave Brewer unprotected because of his high salary and the fact that he wasn't going to be getting as many minutes. And then we talked about uh, the during the free agency uh, episode about how uh, Del Harris was actually upset that any was calling out the Timberwolves for for potential tampering in reaching out to trying to get uh, Brewer traded over the Timberwolves for for you know a dime for a dollar. So, right. Um, so long history here. I mean, in the Timberwolves' short history, they already have a long history with Randy Brewer, and it's kind of the this was the first D'Angelo Russell courtship moment. Right, right. So yeah, they, they loved themselves some Randy Brewer. Yep. So they they chased him. You know, leading up to the trade, Brewer had played thirty games with eight starts uh, for Milwaukee, only eighteen and a half minutes per game, but he had six point eight points, four point two rebounds, and one point one blocks. Um. Shot only 46% from the floor, uh, so not what you'd kind of expect from a, a 7-3 guy, but uh, low house for the Timberwolves um, in his brief Timberwolves career. Uh, 28 games, 24 starts, uh, 21.1 minutes per game, 7.5 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists with .8 blocks, also shooting 46% from the floor. So um, I, on paper, doesn't look like the Timberwolves are getting a significantly better player than the one that they're getting is older and more expensive, but stylistically you never know I mean, we weren't around watching intricately you know all the details of randy brewer and what he was bringing to the league and and you never know maybe he'll come onto this team he'll make an immediate impact and be the type of 
anchor in the middle that they need. Like, and he had a track record of having, you know, better numbers than what he had the year in, at this point in 89-90 yep. season when we traded for him. So it makes sense that, you know, the Wolves had some optimism that brighter days were ahead for Randy Brewer, that he would be able to get more rebounds. You, you know, you had Ty Corbin as your best rebounder on the team and no other true centers outside of Loha. So mm-hmm. Everybody else were, you know, were forwards. And um, Todd Murphy's the only other big guy you could really say. I mean, I get, you Brewer gives you a legitimate center with some NBA experience that, and you're right. The numbers are very, very similar at this point in the, the seasons, but I think the, the wolves were thinking, Oh, well, well, Brewer could be a starter for us and he could play 30 minutes a game or yep. well, God knows. I mean, if it's muscle it might be 48 minutes a game, <laughs> but <laughs> the thought was that his numbers would increase with more opportunity. And frankly, that's what Randy Brewer felt as well. I mean, he felt like, he was being wasted in Milwaukee, not getting any playing time, and that coming to Minnesota, he would get a chance to showcase his skills. Yeah, so that you know, the trades made on January fourth, the Wolves actually get a win on that day, which so big day for the franchise. Uh, they beat Charlotte with Scott Roth getting the start at center. So our buddy Scott Roth, we need a nickname for him. What should we call him? It's too hmm. easy to call him the mullet. We'll have to come up with something for the next episode. Yeah, well, and that doesn't really single him out because everybody had a mullet. And, yeah, <laughs> on that team. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to come up with someone. The Rothman. Nikola yeah, Jokic Sr. <laughs> <laughs> Jok- Jokic's daddy. Right. <laughs> so they get a win. Uh, Brewer comes off the bench his first game. Uh, he only scores 1.5 minutes. Uh, he starts his second game, but he still only plays 13 minutes. And unfortunately, the Wolves lose their first nine games with Randy Brewer on the roster. So not necessarily a panacea for all the ailments that they had leading up to that point. Yeah, and I remember when the Wolves got him um, when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I was like, why did we get this old guy? I mean, he was only, what, 30, but yeah. he was already balding and stuff. So, I, and he, you know, he looked significantly older than everybody else on the team. And I'm, I remember my brothers and I would just be like making jokes about Randy Brewer. You know, we had no idea. I mean, as a kid, I didn't follow the Gophers, so I had no idea what it's. I mean, I don't even, I would have been a baby when right. he was on the Gophers. So, um, but. And I didn't have the respect that he probably was due for <laughs> Randy Brewer. As a Minnesotan, came. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was just a, uh, another guy to me. So when we got him, I was like, what? Why is this a big deal? Like, this yeah. guy doesn't look very good at all. <laughs> so. So Musk continues to play with his lineups. Pooh and Sam go back to the bench as he tries to incorporate Randy Brewer. Um, Pooh does have a big game against uh, those Golden State Warriors that we had talked about earlier. The Wolves lose 109-102, but Pooh comes off the bench for 32 minutes, which is a really odd thing to see out of a, a Muscleman coach team for a guy getting large number large minutes off the bench. But um, he scores 12 points, has 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. Uh, but Tim Hardaway also starts, and he has 9 points, 1 rebound, and 4 assists. So once again, like you were saying earlier, Chad, Pooh is looking really good. Yeah, he's outplayed. Tim Hardaway in both games. Now, the first game was barely an all Two points to zero. He wins. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he played five more minutes. Yeah. But, um, but this game, you know, this one's a little, a little more meaty. I mean, they played almost the exact same amount of minutes. And, you know, Pooh had, was flirting with a triple double, you know, and, and uh, Tim Hardaway, you know, nine points, but just the one rebound and four assists. So, yeah, Pooh, Pooh looked better across the board. Um, that, that was the game I was thinking might be a fun one to, for us to go back and watch and, and yeah. do a Pooh versus Tim Hardaway story at some point um just because they'll be forever linked at least for minnesota fans well for us especially yeah yep so they lost nine in a row 
we're on another losing streak, and then they come out and they win three in a row. These are. schizophrenic Minnesota Timberwolves can't just can't make up their mind as to what team they are. I mean, they're they're a bad team. They know what kind of type of team they are, but they got to win three in a row. Um, they beat Sacramento, Seattle, and Boston. Uh, the game against Seattle on January thirty first is the best game of second round pick Gary Leonard's career. You want to guess how many points he had? Uh, I have no idea. Twelve. Six in eight minutes. So I could, you're not going to hear I, a lot of references to Gary Leonard coming up in the future episodes of this podcast. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I, I have no recollection of him as a player either. And in fact, tonight I was looking through the Timberwolves yearbook from 8990. Yeah, I was kind of reading the bio and I'm like, why am I even reading this? This guy <laughs> ends up not being a factor for us. So no, I just flip the page. <laughs> So speaking of career games, um, so basketballreference.com is a, a site widely known by by most basketball fans. It's got game scores. It's got box scores. It's got the ability to search for players who have had this many points and this many rebounds and this many assists over this period of time. You know, it's just anything you want to know. Basketball Reference has it. And they have a, a an accumulative score called a game score where they try to take – it's kind of like fantasy football where you get this many points for, you know, for rushing yards and this many points for receiving yards and a catch. You know, so, like, they take all the things in a box score and turn it into a game score. Um, and they ha- you can check the or the top 100 game scores of all time. And Jordan's sitting at the top with a 69-point game against Cleveland, which actually comes in the same season that we're talking about. Kobe Bryant's sitting right behind him at second with his 81-point game against Toronto. Tony Campbell – has his best game ever against Boston, um, a game score of 38.1, which is still well behind Jordan's 64.6, but it's, it's fairly significant, at least in terms of what the rest of the Timbers are putting up that year. And he scores 44 points with 14 rebounds in that game. And it's, it's really just the highlight of, of his year and probably his career. Yeah, forget the game score. I mean, that's a ridiculous stat line. Yep. You know, for a, a guy who hadn't been a regular starter in the NBA and... I mean, he's had a great season to this point, mm-hmm. too. You know, like Tony Campbell was a really good player for the Wolves at this point. Um, but 44 points and 14 rebounds. And every night, Tony Campbell was an efficient shooter. I, It's hard to find too many games that he was under 50% shooting. Yeah. You know, just when I was going through game by game, looking at his stats, you know, yeah, lots of games where he's 25 points, 24 points, 20 points, whatever. But he always was an efficient shooter. So... I you mean, know. he he played a lot of minutes and he took a lot of shots. So I'm not going to say that his impact directly went towards winning, but he was easily the best player on this team, and he had one heck of a season. Yeah, I mean, and, and part of his impact towards winning is because it's a team game, and yep. you're on an expansion team with other, you know, players that are marginal NBA starters. To be fair, mm-hmm. you know, Ty Ty Corbin had started some games, but everybody else on the team were. Hadn't started, you know, maybe Randy Brewer started some games, but um, they only played at this point, only played a couple of games together. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Tony Campbell is, I mean, that, that signing is looking great for yeah. this front office. It really is. You know, and it's a, it's a good game for the whole team because not they're beating the 1990 Boston Celtics, which they're not the same as the 80s Boston Celtics. They've started to break down a little bit by this point, but they still had Bird. They still had McHale. And... Campbell has his career game. Pooh has 21 and 10. Brewer has 20 points, seven rebounds, six assists. So he's coming into his own and it's just a very, must have been a really fun game. And, you know, every team has that throughout the year. You you have those games that really pop, then you get a good feeling for a night. But, um, but yeah, this would have been a great one. Yeah. It's kind of like what we talked a little bit when we were watching the, the 
Chicago game where we were kind of talking about how, you know, when players get to play these huge stars like Jordan or in this case, Bird and McHale, you know, the, them stepping their game up another level. And that certainly looks to be the case. I mean, Brewer got to play against his old teammate from the Gophers and Kevin McHale. And, you know, that might have played into his good game. And um, Tony Campbell, you know, I'm sure was matched up a lot in that game with Larry Bird being at their similar size and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, it would have been that that's another contender for a game that we should, should go back and do a story on at some point. Yeah. Be a fun one. There have been some, been some really fun games, at least from the box scores. So, um, unfortunately that's the last Timberwolves win before the all-star break, but not the last noble game, because as we talked about Tony Campbell, just having his career game, another Timberwolf has their career game in the very next game. And that's Randy Brewer, his best game ever as a Timberwolf and possibly as of his career in a game against, once again, Golden State, the third time this year. Uh, Randy Brewer comes out, has 40 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals. And the Wolves lose by 10, but that is probably, the you know, it's easily the best game that Brewer ever plays for the Timberwolves. But um, if you look through the rest of his career, that's that might that it, 40 points is, is career high, and uh, it's, it's easily a, a high moment for him. Yeah, and I, I, I saw a quote that he... Uh that um brewer said talking about that game where he he went in and had 20 points in the first quarter but then he only had two in mm-hmm. the third because musters kept playing him and and the interviewer asked him would you guys win the game he said no <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure a 7-3 guy breaks down after uh 48 minutes of play time but right right but he wanted it. That's what he asked for. You know, yep. when he came here, he was like looking for playing time, looking for opportunity. Yep. Fun little subplots. Once again, uh, our running subplot of Pooh versus Tim Hardaway. Uh, Pooh had 19 points and 13 assists in 42 minutes, while Tim Hardaway had 21 points and eight assists in 42 minutes. So both are starting at this point and both are producing. So that's a, a fun little rivalry that's going. And I would give that game to Pooh as well. I mean, I'd take the, the what, extra five assists over yep. the extra two points every day of the week so uh, again you know both both guys played well in that game but mm-hmm. it's good to see you know that you know as we get to the the future years here we'll where we'll see tim hardaway where he starts to separate himself right. some from from poo richardson and well really the whole pack of that of point guards in that draft mm-hmm. but uh, to this point you know looks like another good decision for this front office so between the tony campbell signing and the poo richardson draft pick and the the discovery of sam mitchell off of a tryout yeah they're, they're looking like they know what they're doing wins and losses aside i mean this is all you're looking for out of an expansion team you want right. two or three players that are going to be with you long term and are going to really make an impact and it like you said it looks like they have that yep. so even uh, doug west has popped a couple times to this yeah. point now so he's, he's a second round pick he's, yep. you just want him to make a couple good plays here and there and continue to grow um, Gary Leonard, not so much. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> he was picked ahead of Doug West, yep. but you know, can't can't always go bad a thousand. So exactly, you know. So and I, I just wanted to call out. It makes no impact on anything, but it was just fun seeing uh, Jim Pete's name in the box score for that Golden State game. You know, he scored two points, had six rebounds in fifteen minutes, and like I said, no impact on anything, and really doesn't involve anything that we're talking about but no impact he, he probably contributed to randy brewer's 40 points <laughs> i'm sure he did <laughs> we'll have to call him sometime and see if he remembers that game how, how many of those points did he score on you pete so all right so minnesota like we said loses their last three games before the all-star break they're 30 or no 
They are 10 and 36. Um, and remember when they won that first game against Philadelphia to make Philadelphia one and two, and they're possibly feeling pretty good about the first round draft pick that they had gotten from Philly. Well, Philadelphia is now uh, 30 and 18 at the break, and they're uh, they've really found their stride. So, not looking to be a lottery pick, unfortunately. Story of the Wolves' life. Yep, not not the luck, the lottery luck, the the draft luck. So, um, but we've caught up. It's the uh, the All Star break. Um, the Wolves have had some good moments. They've had some really fun moments. Uh, they have a, a few keepers, a few blue chip players here. It's looking like, um, and they've had some really bad moments too, Chad. Yeah, but I mean, even their, some of their losses were not as painful as you know but some of the losses we're seeing today. I mean, they had a, a two point loss in overtime to Utah mm-hmm. early in the season, and Utah at the time was like seven and one. That was a good game. I mean, a lot of these losses, you know, yeah, you, you get a number of stretches where you lose nine in a row, but um, it's not like they're getting blown out every night or or carrying, you know. 16 point leads into the fourth quarter and then choking it away. They're, they're playing hard and fighting every minute of that game. And then it's just, you know, lack of experience and, and talent, frankly, and they just come up a little short. So it's, you'd rather see a hard fought game where you just come up short than because you just aren't as good because you're brand new than a, you know, lazy effort. And even if you're superior talent wise, and then you end up blowing it because, you just become lazy or mm-hmm. selfish or, you know, name the list of reasons why this current Wolves team has, has lost. Well, you know, and the, and the parallels keep coming back to our current season. Um, the Like we said, they both had the same record at the 20-game the mark. I would say the team MVP of the 89 team is Tony Campbell at this point. You, you agree? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't. The only other one that is in consideration in terms of MVP would be Ty Corbin because he's had some big games, but he's way more up and down than Tony Campbell. Mm-hmm. Tony Campbell is consistently the guy every night. I mean, there was a few games in there where the Wolves only, would only have one guy with double-digit scoring, and it was always Tony Campbell. Yeah, so. and you know, and the guy that we related him to earlier was Malik Beasley in terms of availability and situation and uh, the time that he joined the team in his career and coming from a bench role, and I—, I think we both say that Malik Beasley's been the MVP of this team, you know, the 2020 season so far. Yeah, very, very similar. You yeah. know, they both had um, shown some promise on the teams they were on before the Wolves brought them in. And just because they didn't have the uh, the opportunity, they, you know, m- maybe didn't have the big numbers. As soon as they got that opportunity with the Wolves, both of them really had taken full advantage of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Tony Campbell had, a little bit more of the scoring load than Malik Beasley does on this current team, but Malik Beasley's not really looked at as the number one option scoring on this team, even without Towns. D'Lo is still kind of the number one option on offense, but um, you know, other than that, the rest of their stats are pretty similar too. I mean, they both are rare on five rebounds a game, um, assist, you know, rare on two and a half assists a game. You know, very very similar stats across the board. So uh, the only the biggest glaring difference would be three pointers. Beasley is right. attempting almost eight a game. <laughs> Tony Campbell was attempting less than one a game, barely over a half a game. Um, so, you know, that's the starkest difference, which, you know, probably leads a little bit to the just play styles from the Absolutely. late 80s, early 90s to, to today. But yeah, I mean, well, Campbell, you know, he's averaging over 20 points a game that season. Beasley's averaging over 20 points a game this season and frankly in Beasley's credit he's 
doing it in 32 minutes a game and Campbell is doing it in almost 39 minutes a game. So, um, yeah, it's easier to do though when you're it taking is. threes. Yeah. They make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that extra point, you know, he's getting, he's making three of those three pointers a game. And yep. Tony Campbell's was making 0.13s per game in 1999. The biggest difference for Tony Campbell where he made that up was at the free throw line. You know, he was at, uh, attempting almost basically seven free throws a game, whereas Beasley was attempting, you know, two and a half. Yeah. It's not Beasley's so, game, but no. But yeah, you know, some comps. It's definitely different stylistically, yep. but statistically very similar so yeah definitely a comp there um both teams had a, a highly drafted rookie um, i think the timberwolves of today are putting a little bit more pressure a few more hopes on the future of anthony edwards being the number one overall pick um then the, the 89 team was putting on Pooh richardson but uh, they both are showing good things good glimpses uh hopefully edwards can take a few steps beyond where where Pooh got to um in his career but at the same time, if you told me that Jaden McDaniels was going to put up a, a career like Sam Mitchell, I'd take that. So, yeah, so yeah, that, uh, that's another, I mean, again, different. You know, the one thing I would say the biggest difference between the two teams is, even though that was an extension team, this current Wolves team's still far younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Sam Mitchell as a rookie in nineteen eighty nine ninety was 26 years old. J.D. McDaniels is 20. You yeah. know, Anthony Edwards is 19. Pooh Richardson was 23. Um, so there was just some big gaps in terms of age and experience mm-hmm. between that young team then and our young team today, right. you know, which I would say contributes to the biggest difference in their, their willingness or their effort in fighting on these closer games. It makes me, calm down a little bit to be honest about this current team because you're like okay well these guys are even younger than that expansion team yeah and have a similar record you know and, and their best players out and i don't know like where would you rank if you took these two teams the 89 team and the, and the 2020 team mm-hmm. where would deal rank in the list of talent of players between those two rosters for you from what we've seen for out of this 89 team i'd I don't know. I'm going to be probably blasphemous in saying this, but I'd probably take Tony Campbell or Tyrone Corbin on this team over D'Lo at this point with their ability to impact the game in more than one area. And I would, I would agree in Tony Campbell. I'd still probably take D'Lo over Ty Corbin. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because, you know, watching that Bulls game and seeing Ty right. Corbin just for steal after steal, his stats might feel a little hollow to me. Like I'd have to yeah. watch more of his game to kind of look and see, okay, well, did he did he do that with points and rebounds too? You know, was he just yep. Ricky Davis in it and throwing it up to get his own rebound and then <laughs> dunking it down? Um, so yeah, I might I might also just be sour on D'Lo at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's possible that I'm way, I'm way off. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that. like you said, the Wolves have have Towns coming back this year, and it would be like the '89 team all of a sudden getting Patrick Ewing added to the roster, and that would make a big difference too. So. Um, yeah, so just lots of comps between that team and this team. Hopefully this team ends up with a better record at the end. Hopefully they have a better record at the All-Star break. Uh, 10 and 36 isn't exactly where you want to be. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's not a good team, just like a lot of t- bad Timberwolves team. But I'm having a lot of fun learning about them, Chad. Well, and the expectations are different for an expansion team versus yep. a you know 2020-21 Timberwolves team that just added a second star mm-hmm. in D'Lo last trade deadline and then you get a number one overall pick and i mean you have lots of hope for this current team to be much better you know and obviously 
you lose towns and, you know, you have all these other COVID related issues and whatnot that impacts that. But, um, I think it's, it's easier to enjoy an expansion team struggling than it is to enjoy a team that's supposed to be taking another step. Yeah. That's struggling. Well, you know what the best part was in 1989, Chad? What's that? They owned their first pick heading into the next season. (laughs) So, so a bad team, they're going to have a good pick the next year, but they've got some good ships. Uh, and we're going to break there. We'll come back. We'll talk about what happens over the all-star break, if anything, for the Timberwolves, and then close out the season. And we'll see uh, how the team's looking, if anybody continues to take strides, if anybody has more career games. Um, and then just finish out kind of this first season with our Minnesota Timberwolves. And then we'll we'll come back after that, you know, a couple weeks later and kind of do a, an awards show. We'll, we'll pass out year-end awards, MVP, LVP, that type of stuff. So um, we'll, we're, we're not quite done yet, but we're having a lot of fun. And we'll come back. Two weeks from now, we'll talk about the rest of the season, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Chad, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Have a good one, man. Have a good weekend. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.